Well, guys, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast. This is episode number 32. Our topic for today is the Nobleman Invests in Faithful Men. That's been our topic four sessions in a row. But what we've been doing is talking to different guys who are investing in men in different areas of life and hearing their stories and their journeys. So today our guest is Mike Mahaffey. Now, Mike is on staff with crew at NC State University, and he has been investing in college students for, I think, 40 years. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast, and tell us about your where you are in life, about uh, what you're doing there at NC State. Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, excited to be joining you today. I'm 68 years old, been on staff with crew for 44 years. Wow. Uh, I uh, grew up on a small farm in Ohio, and uh, when I was 16, I moved to San Diego, California. And after football practice, I was too beat up to get up and change channels when a guy named Billy Graham came on the television. Wow. And kind of talked about a relationship with God like he was his closest friend. And that, to me, I, I wrote him a letter, got the Gospel of John sent to me from his organization. And uh, through reading that, I ended up on my knees through tears asking Christ to forgive me, to come into my life, to make me the kind of person he wanted me to be. I didn't sprout wings or grow a halo or anything, but I, <laughs> I really knew that Christ had come into my life and, and had forgiven me of my sin. And uh, it really started an adventure for me of walking with Christ. I ended up getting involved in a, a, a church that didn't even use the Bible. Uh, wow. I didn't know what to do after that. And uh, later uh, through uh, getting in a small group Bible study at San Diego State University. Uh, I really began to learn and grow and uh, be established in my Christian life and in my walk. And uh, through God using men in my life to disciple me and then me beginning to disciple and reach out to others, uh, I eventually, my wife and I joined the staff in 1976 Worked with athletes at Oklahoma State my first couple of years. I played a little football in college and uh, then ended up in 1981 at North Carolina State. And we've been there ever since uh, working with students. Now I've stepped down as being the director of crew at NC State to work with faculty and uh, grad students. Uh, as I'm getting older, uh, this old horse can't run the race as well as I used to. So. <laughs> Uh, working with uh, guys my age a little bit more in, in the same kind of ministry, helping to win people to Christ, build them in their faith, and send them out to win, build, and send others, which is a simple strategy Bill Bright came up with right. way, way long time ago. So that's wow. a little bit of I am married, have four kids and seven grandkids. Uh, we've been married 48 years. I was 20 and she was 18 when we got married. So we were very young and very immature, but somehow God worked in our lives and in our marriage. We're still happily married and enjoy growing old together. That's awesome. So you grew up in Ohio and and went to San Diego to play football in college, it sounds like. Is that that's the well, pathway? Well, no, my dad moved when I was 16. My okay. dad up our roots and moved from a little town called Waynesville, Ohio. And he owned a company called Mahaffey's Pies, famous for quality, in Dayton. And when we moved to San Diego, he bought a liquor store because it wouldn't spoil, and there's always a market for it. 
So I was 16 when I moved to California with my family. Wow. So, so you're, you were not churched at all. The, the Christ was not a part of your home or your experience growing up. So that Billy Graham experience was, was fresh and new for you. That's right. I was very new. I did. My parents dropped us off at a church in town occasionally. Uh, I stopped going when I was 13. It meant nothing to me. And so when I heard Billy Graham, this is all new. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? And uh, he said, write to me, Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's all the address you need. And do it now, because if you wait till tomorrow, your heart will be hardened. And so I wrote that letter that night. And sure enough, the next day, my heart was, I'm like, what am I doing? Have I lost my <laughs> mind? I'm writing a letter to Billy Graham. And I remember, do it now or your heart will be hard. My heart will be hardened. And it was hard. So I figured he knows what he's talking about. So it got mailed. And then through that, God used his word, the gospel of John, with some helps on how to know Christ personally. So, Wow. Now, you know what? I, I want to take a pause right there because we work with the uh, the Pocket Testament League. You're probably familiar with that ministry. I don't know. Uh, but we have Gospels of John that have the Noble Warriors logo and our contact information on it. And guys, if you're here in this podcast and you've just heard what Mike had to say about his testimony and you don't know this Jesus personally, this this Savior that can transform your life, I, I think about 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, behold, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You send us an email with your address or write us a, a letter uh, and we'll send you a gospel of John. And uh, my goodness, we know that the word transforms. So uh, that's really cool. I bet you've used that that comment about making a decision now because tomorrow your heart will be hardened. I bet you've used that in evangelistic conversations over and over again, haven't you, Mike? Well, absolutely. As I share the gospel of the young man, uh, I feel they're going to be closer to hearing from the Lord with me be right there with them than uh, waiting till later at night on their bed. And so oftentimes I don't want to back away from giving them an opportunity right then to come to know the Lord if that's what he, if he's working on their heart. I don't pressure them, sure. I don't force them, but uh, I don't want to just, just wait or assume they'll do something like that later on their own. So it was God through his Holy Spirit working. As I read his word, I saw Although my life was going pretty good, I had never trusted in Christ. John 3.16 just yep. hit me across the head like a two-by-four, and uh, I saw that if I was to die that day, I'd be forever separated from this God who loved me and uh, put my faith in Christ all alone in an apartment in San Diego at the age of 16. So, Wow. Well, so you are so involved in discipleship now. And you, and you said it was that Gospel of John and some helps, and then some people came along beside you. What did your discipleship journey look like? How did you grow and mature in the faith as, as a young man? Because it's, it's really easy to get lost in, I've made a decision, I don't know what to do next, so you just stay right where you are. That, that seed falls on the, the path or amongst the thorns and, and never germinates and produces fruit. But your soil was right and ready to to receive that so what did that look like that process for you well that's uh for me i i had been a maybe a, a two years floundering not knowing where to go or how to grow uh and it, as a student at san diego state university i was walking across campus one day and i saw 
a crew book table out on the, the outside area. And uh, a gal was sitting behind it with some uh, Bibles and outreach, more than a carpenter, books like right. that. They're on the table. And uh, I said, hey, do you have a, a Bible study or something I could get involved with? Because I really was hungry. I really did want to learn. She about fell out of her chair. People at San Diego <laughs> State in the, in the early 70s, that was the hippy-dippy years, uh, did not have guys coming up asking to be in a Bible study. Right. And so a guy named Irv Bontrager got a hold of me and began to meet with me. And then later on, he left. Another guy named Harry Haney, he probably spent three years pouring into me, got involved in a, a guy's Bible study, just began to learn. How can I be sure Christ is in my life? What about forgiveness? I, I blow it as a believer. How can I make that right? Uh, how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, how to walk by faith day by day, not in my strength, but in God's strength, how to grow. I went to conferences. Uh, I started reaching out and seeing other guys come to Christ and started pouring into them. But uh, Harry Haney was the guy who just wouldn't let me go. He kept whispering in my ear. I was pre-med, chemistry, zoology major. My wife was a nurse. We thought we had all this figured out where we're going to go. He kept saying, Mahaf, he said, you you would really make a great staff guy with crew. He said, you got to at least consider that as one of the options for your life. And I'm like, oh, Harry, there's no way I could do that. You guys have to raise financial support to do what <laughs> you do. Are you kidding me? And uh, over time, just seeing God change lives in front of me just got Got me. That was what I was excited about. And so as I saw men begin to grow and change, I went home and told my wife, I said, honey, uh, this has got to be something that, that we have to at least consider. I feel God may be leading us to, to go on staff with, with crew. And she said, well, honey, he may be leading you, but he's not leading me. Right. And so I began to pray, God, either change my heart or change hers. And within 30 days of me not saying a word, just praying. Uh, she did a 180 degree turnaround through some circumstances in her life. And uh, she said, "Hun, I, I can see myself doing that too. I think we both should join the staff of crew. Uh, and then later coming on staff, uh, Gene Sale, my first director at Oklahoma State and uh, Skid Logan, another guy that meant a lot to me, uh, really believed in me, poured into my life, gave me opportunities to grow and expand as a as a believer uh, on staff with crew uh, after we uh, came on staff so that harry haney is a guy that he three years wouldn't let me go poured into me loved me prayed with me we we saw a lot of things happen at san diego state so so he saw you as one of these faithful men that's our our, our theme verse for this for this little chunk of the podcast is 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, where, where Paul says, Now the things that you have heard from me in the presence of wit many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will teach others also. And so, you know, we want to share the gospel and, and minister broadly, but we need to keep our eyes open for those faithful men who will teach others also. And so uh, this gentleman counted you among those faithful men who would teach others also. What what do you think he saw in you that that caused him to to seize on that? Well, that's a good question. I'm always looking at what I see in others. I've never asked myself, what did Harry see in me? Uh, you know, I think I, I showed up 
I was teachable. I was hungry to learn. I'd, I'd go to some of the conferences that crew offered way back in those days, kind of a winter conference, fall retreat, spring break trips. Uh, I would I would go to those things. And uh, I was faithful at his Bible study. Uh, I was good with people. I right. enjoyed talking to people and then uh, reaching out myself. I was willing to share my faith. That's kind of a big deal. Right. And uh, just available for God to, to work and use me. I remember one time they did this Homestay USA outreach with Japanese people that were coming to the United States. They stay in the homes of Christian families up and down the, the coast. And uh, they put me in charge of the San Diego deal. And that, man, I grew like a weed. I saw God use me by trusting him to use this as an outreach in the lives of Japanese professionals and students that were coming to visit uh, the United States at the time. And so they believed in me and they gave me opportunities to grow. And I would step up to the plate and take advantage. I would disciple others. I led a Bible study eventually. I mean, just I just followed what they were showing me and then, and then doing what I saw them do. I, I repeated in my own life. So yeah, faithful men. I think every Christian needs to be followed up with the basics yeah but then we we build we teach we go after the faithful few that we can pour into them and see them multiply their right. lives into others so you know part of what i i mean there's so much there with your story but part of what i love is they gave you responsibility that probably felt like it was beyond your skills and capacity and and maybe even your maturity at times but they put you in places where there was nothing you could do other than to depend on what the Lord was going to show you and teach you and reveal to you. And so that's when our faith grows, when when we get stretched like that. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I remember that Homestay USA program. I did it one year, asked me to do it the next, next year. And uh, this guy came down and gave a presentation to those who are going to participate on how to have internationals in your home, how to work with them, how to, you know, just be real and include them in your family. And uh, the second year, uh, the guy didn't come. I have families in a church, churches loaded with families, 10 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by. I finally got a hold of our crew headquarters and said, what's going on? Oh, he thought you could do it. <laughs> and he never told me that. And so I call Harry, Harry Haney, my disciple. I said, Harry, the guy's not coming. What am I supposed to do? He goes, well, Mike, let's just thank the Lord. And I'm like, what? I can't thank the Lord. The church is full of families. They're me. They're angry. They're waiting. And uh, I've got to do this. So I stepped up to the plate and I told the families, I said, look, this guy's not coming. I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, let, let's go with what, what I can remember. And it's like the Lord took over. He used my mouth. He used my, I was winsome. They were laughing. It turned out to be a great training. And I, it was just a matter of me. God's asking me, Mike, are you willing to trust me? Right. And, uh, so to see God use you, you can't get that taste out of your mouth. You want to continue on being used by God. So yeah, that was one incident that they put me in charge. And I, uh, it was scary, but I learned a ton from it so wow so i want i want to make a point there for for those of you who are listening on on two sides of an equation there one 
don't be afraid when God puts you in a hard place and someone asks you to do something for the kingdom that you don't feel like you're qualified for because that's the moment. Those are the places where God grows you to new levels because you have to trust him. And then I would also say to you leaders out there, man, keep your eyes open for the hungry individual You may not think they are ready for what needs to be done, but put them out there. Put some people in some risky places so that the Lord can show up in their lives. And I I even think about this from the the perspective of a, a father or parents, because we need to stop coddling our kids and put them in some places where they need to to experience some challenge and some discomfort, and they need to step into some difficult things so that they learn and grow from those. So, man, what a cool story because uh, it's in those in those tight moments where we really learn to trust and, and we begin to grow. So, Mike, as you now, you were poured into by others. You had all these experiences. I, I know you're working with faculty now, but you've worked for a number of years, for decades with young men. So what... Is there anything different that you've become accustomed to looking for in the life of a young man? Anything different from what you've said about someone that you are going to not just talk to on occasion, but you're going to pull this guy aside and you say, I would like to spend some time with you because I see God doing something in your life. And and I just want to fan those sparks into a flame. What are you looking for? Yeah, Mike, I think the same that we've heard over and over again, that aspect of being fat. Yeah. Faithful, available, and teachable. Uh, are they willing to, to trust God? And I think the ability to teach others also, that's that's something that are they uh, able to relate to people? They don't have to be super social, but are they compassionate? Are they empathetic? Can they are they good listeners? Can they relate to other people as well? And I, I'm looking for faculty right now that I want to begin to pour my life into and I'm I'm not hurrying the process. I'm trying to choose carefully. I'm still pretty new to working with faculty here, so uh, just getting started, just beginning with that, and uh, uh, looking for those those kind of qualities. Faithful, available, and teachable are pretty pretty key. So, you know, I think it's interesting that that you're transitioning to working with faculty. I I have plenty of friends involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, you probably have friends on the FCA staff there at NC State, and I know that uh, for years their thrust was working with students, but now I hear more and more FCA staff talking about their intentionality with coaches because they know that if they find the right coach who's willing to live out his faith well in front of his players or her players and become uh, a catalytic person for the gospel, then that that's a real win for the kingdom. So um, you're you're doing the same sorts of things there. Is that consistent? Yeah, you know, and my my hunger is still the college campus. I mean, students students I think are uh, tomorrow's leaders, right? And they're they're free to go anywhere, do anything. Uh, very moldable, moldable in college. Uh, and so even though I'm working with faculty and grad students, I'm trying to leverage that to still continue to have a ministry in undergrads' lives. Uh, Bill Bright used to say, reach the campus today and the world tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, as his commitment to the Great Commission to, to be involved in uh, discipling men and women, reaching them for Christ, uh, 
baptizing them, teaching them uh, for a lifetime uh, as a lifestyle. And so now I'm more with faculty, but my heartbeat is still undergrads and students to see them go all over the world, uh, helping to share the good news of Jesus Christ with anyone who will listen. Right. And uh, that's still my heartbeat. So. Wow. So let me ask you this. If, if you see someone that you're going to begin to invest in, uh, obviously the Bible is our textbook. But where do you start with uh, walking along beside a young man who is a fat guy, faithful, available, teachable? I, I, how do you start investing for the guy who's, who's trying to figure out what would a pathway look like for me to invest in some young guys what are your thoughts? What have you seen work well? What's been your strategy over the years? Yeah, I think for me, I want to make sure they're grounded in the basics. Right. So I've used Bill Bright used to have this series called the transferable concepts. They're like nine, 11 small booklets that uh, kind of help ground the person in, in assurance of their salvation and forgiveness and how to walk by faith and prayer and Bible study, just those basics. And I try to do it in a way that they can turn around and do it with somebody else. Right. I don't want to have a plan that is so stinking complex. Only Einstein could do it. Uh, I try to keep it very simple, very transferable. Uh, in fact, oftentimes if I'm laying the foundation, sometimes we'll do it in a live situation with a, people, a person who's just come to Christ. And the two of us, the guy I'm trying to disciple or get on board, we will both walk through basic follow-up with a, a new believer or an old believer who's never been grounded before. Uh, next, I'll, I'll try to involve them in my my life and ministry. Uh, let them we go share faith together. I think it's caught more than taught how we do evangelism. Right. And so I want to help break them into that and how you do that and train them and how to share their testimony in a clear way. Uh, we use a simple tool called Knowing God Personally as a simple booklet, kind of a modification of Bill Bright's Four Spiritual Laws that many people are familiar with. And right. Well, if they're willing to go with me and learn these things, and then as they're in my Bible study and we begin to see people come to know Christ, I can't do it all. So I'll, I'll begin to lean on him to start a Bible study himself to begin to disciple and meet with guys that he's gathering around himself, just like I met with him. I just need to stay an, an hour, keep him an hour ahead of the right. guys he's working with. And so it's not rocket science. It's, it's I build into him. He builds into them. And he's all, I try to help them always look two generations ahead, not right. just your Bible study, but the next two generations of leaders who can lead others also. One of the beauties at North Carolina State, we'll graduate, our movement's quite large. We, in the last 20 years, have averaged 800 to 1,000 kids involved. And every year we graduate about 100, 120 seniors. The, the reason we're, we're continuing to grow and move upwards is those guys turn over to us a, a room full of juniors that they've been discipling that will take their place as they right. graduate and move on. And so uh, we've got to multiply. One of the things I always tell my church pastor friends is like, imagine your elders, your worship team, your whole congregation leaves every four years. Right. That's what I'm faced with on the college campus. We've got to 
we've got to build up, raise up new believers, new leaders that will, will continue on in the faith. So. You cannot waste time in that scenario. You have to you have to dig in, identify those folks, invest in them, build them up, commission them to serve and lead, and then let them do it. Correct? Absolutely. And oftentimes, I think people start too small. We, we may need to have our pool be 10, 12 people, not three people, because not all of them are going to be faithful men. Not right. all of them are going to want to grow. And so if you just pour into two or three and they all fall away, you got to start all over again. So to start larger with freshmen, 10, 12 guys at once, maybe three of those guys are going to really move on and really catch the vision of uh, wind building and sending others for Christ throughout right. their lifetime. So now, um, when while we were doing some banter beforehand, you you talked about churches because most of our listeners are going to be guys in a regular church. They're not going to have the same access to to students that you do. But you said something that that resonated with me deeply, and that is that. Um, I, I look at it at First Timothy 3 and Titus 1, the qualifications of elders and deacons. I grew up in the Baptist church as well, and so uh, I only heard those passages preached on when it was time to nominate and elect deacons for the local church. And, and we used it as um, essentially a list of qualifications, and we were looking to see whether Frank was qualified or disqualified. Um, and, and it was just a measuring stick. But I've told so many pastors, man, if you would use that as your guideline and build people up with that, with with those qualifications, build them to the qualifications, not beat them up with the yardstick, then mm-hmm. teach them how to reproduce yourself and you'll themselves, and you'll never run out of leaders in the local church. So uh, speak to that a little bit. It's this whole idea that we we have to keep investing in building people up instead of just measuring them. Yeah, as we were talking before, you can use those two passages as a measuring stick of what we're looking for. Uh, or you can, if let's say, for example, I'm a, a Sunday school teacher or a life class teacher or a small group leader in the local church. Uh, as I have this group of men and women that are involved that are coming, I, I need to be having my radar up and try to see, is there someone here that could do my job that I could raise up? and challenge them to maybe uh, watch me. Hey, let's work on some skills. I'll have you maybe lead sharing or prayer in our next life class. Right. Uh, And eventually I might have him teach a lesson or two in that life class. And lo and behold, two years down the road, you've got another life class leader because I've looked out there over who God's given me, who's, who's faithful man or woman, that can be raised up to lead others also. I don't care if it's children's ministry, youth pastors, uh, Sunday school or life class teachers. We need to be about multiplication and raising them up from within rather than hanging a job wanted. I need a deacon. I need right. an elder. Here's the qualifications. Oh, no. Find those guys that you think could do it and begin pouring into them whatever role in the local church that you want to re- reproduce go after it build build leaders don't yeah. just hold out a shingle and say i need a leader build a leader so you know and you turn it over to them you've seen them do it they've followed you they've been faithful 
you know they can be an elder or a deacon or a, a pastor, another pastor for, for is a possibility. So uh, to take, yeah, come alongside and build into those those people that that God puts on your heart that you can raise up right out of the church, yeah. right out where. So could be a Bible study in your workplace that you would always be looking to reproduce yourself. How can I find two or three people that are coming that they could be doing this also, and then begin working with them and let them come alongside you and look over your shoulder and raise them up to, to actually be the leaders that uh, God needs in those areas. So it, so I'll, I'll put in something personal here that uh, just kind of as, a, as an encouragement to some of you guys out there, I know there have been times in my life I enjoy teaching and leading small group discussions so much that I, I just get intoxicated with that. Um, and, and so I want to do that, and I've not been as intentional about passing those opportunities off to some other th folks. And if you think that the, there's great joy in teaching the Bible or anything else where people begin to learn and get it, and so I get excited about that, but there is multiplied joy in helping someone else get to the point where they can teach and lead and, and multiply. And so I, I think one of the lessons that I've had to learn is I need to get out of the way sometimes and let some other people do some things so that I can see them flourish. I can... I talk about this teaching strategy where you do something in front of someone to show them how, then you stand beside them while they do it and cheer for them, and then you get behind and watch them go as they take off. And so we need to be about raising these folks up, deploy it. What is it? Win, build, and send. That's the, the three words. Is that that's correct? A, that's correct. I've added a fourth one in North Carolina State. It's depend, win, build, send, because you and I, can't do it yeah we've got to trust god to raise up the leaders and believe that he is is able that's where prayer comes into play i always tell people i'm the wart on the rear of a gnat hanging on to the robe of jesus <laughs> every, every morning i get up and pray what i call a prayer of relinquishments of god i can't work with faculty i can't work with grad students but you can and you can do it through me and so I, I give it to you, uh, I'm trusting you. One good resource too in this whole area of discipleship is Master Plan of Evangelism by yeah. Robert Coleman. Right. It's a wonderful book on how Jesus did ministry. And it has in there uh, eight principles that are very, very powerful in terms of uh, multiplication. How yeah. did Jesus do it? And it's laid out so clearly in that simple book. So. It's an awesome resource. And guys, if you're not familiar with that, if you don't have it on your shelf, you really should order a copy. I, I think faithful leaders uh, need to be familiar with that, with that book. And I tell you, the way Robert Coleman unpacks that, you see things about the way Jesus interacted with those disciples and how he was intentional about investing in him, in them that you don't notice on the surface sometimes. So it's, uh, it's quite helpful. Well, you mentioned your prayer life. One of the questions that I'd written down for us, Mike, is uh, you've been at this for a long time. But I, I find that the, the Bible is an inexhaustible resource of truth, and it, it, you know, it's always got something for me. So how do you keep your walk with the Lord fresh, your devotions fresh? Um, you've, you've read the Bible many times, but how does it still speak to you at this point in your life? And 
And how, how do you encounter God in those moments every morning? Yeah, that's a, a journey we all are on. And I, again, we all have dry times. We all have rich times with the Lord. Uh, but it's it's just don't don't give up. Uh, we just finished studying Tim Keller's book on prayer with our staff team. And he starts that thing off with a pretty powerful illustration. He says, uh, imagine that you have a disease, and if you don't take this pill every day, you will die. And so, yeah, you would take that pill every day. You wouldn't think twice about it. But he's, he compares that to prayer. Uh, and I'm not trying to guilt people into prayer sure. or that kind of thing, but uh, the, the Bible is God's word. And uh, he speaks to us through his word. And so I'm right now going through Job. I've been reading through the whole Bible again. And that's kind of where I am in, in my, my readings. And uh, Lord, is there any, anything in this for me uh, today? Have time just to listen, to be quiet. And uh, after you've read, to, to think and meditate on what you've just read. Maybe pick a, de a verse that stands out um, and uh, just meditate it on all day long. Uh, there's a, another book entitled The Practice of the Presence of God by mm -hmm. Brother Lawrence that uh, it, God is here. God is now. He's with us all day long. And so let your whole day be a conversation with God, even if it's a parking place, even if it's someone you're about to talk to. Lord, open their hearts, open their eyes, drop the scales from their eyes that they would see you for who you really are. Just let your whole day be a conversation. Now, certainly I have in the morning uh, uh, things I'm very passionate about that I, I pray daily for. Uh, one thing I've discovered uh, working with students is you can't shame or guilt people into praying. How did Jesus teach his men to pray? Well, if you look at Mark chapter one, there's a passage there where he's busy all day long he is healing he's yep. doing all kinds of things and late in the night he is uh he goes uh, the next day he gets up early in the morning before anybody else does and he goes and prays and he's on the mountainside praying to his father and by the way wouldn't you love to be a fly on the tree hearing how jesus prayed to his father right uh, in those moments well the disciples come and they're like jesus what are you doing, man? Let's let's get out there. They're looking for you. And so he did. He, he got up off his knees, went with them. They went to other villages. But then look at Luke 11. This is further on in his ministry. Uh, they began to see Jesus prays, things happen. Yeah. Jesus prays, things happen. And this time when he's praying, they wait. And after he's done, they patiently come to him in Luke 11 and say, Lord, Master, teach us teach to pray also. And uh, so I find passing prayer on is just do it. Yeah. Just be a model, lead others, be on your knees. People will follow. God will raise those people up. And those who don't aren't that committed to it. I always feel like prayer is the backbone bone of our ministry and whatever we do, we've got to lay a foundation in prayer. Always talk to um, God about man before you talk to man about God. And so uh, we've got to be, Little prayer equals little power. Much prayer equals much power. No prayer equals no power. And so uh, why do we have a thousand kids involved? I, I, we really have laid a foundation of prayer, praying. And that starts individually with myself and my staff. 
Another thing we kind of bring into prayer, uh, which Bill Bright, I think, brought to the surface, is the idea of fasting mm-hmm. with prayer. Fasting doesn't give you more of God's attention. You already have his attention. Fasting gives, I think, makes you more aware and more in tune with listening to the Lord. And so uh, giving up, I don't care if it's chocolate, your cell phone, food, uh, something for the purpose of setting aside something important to really focus on the Lord is a very powerful kind of uniting with prayer uh, to be powerful in our prayer life. And so wow. prayer with fasting is, is can be very key, especially at turning points, major turning points in your life. Yeah. That you would spend time uh, fasting and praying over those things. Wow. So, so two thoughts come to mind as, as high points here. I, I've just read through the Gospel of Mark a couple of times, and the, the incidents you're talking about in, in Mark 1, part of what caught my attention with that is it said uh, right before that, that that Jesus was healing— and so they brought all the sick and all the disease and all the ones who had um, evil spirits to him. And then it says he healed many and he cast out many demons and then he it, he disappeared. He, he left. And so it doesn't say he casted out all or he healed all. And so one of the things that caught my attention there was Jesus didn't finish all the stuff that he could have done before he left that scene to go and spend time in prayer. And and I I know for me personally, I have to battle. I haven't finished everything I feel like I wanted to do, and so do I have time? And so we, um, we forget that we can't do those things that we want to do without the power of the Lord. And so even Jesus didn't do everything that he could have done, but he prioritized his time with his Father. And so... Um, I, that that spoke to me deeply. And then the other thing about fasting, and I'll tie this to another question. I had a friend one time that who's got 10 kids. Uh, I forget how many of them are boys. And we were talking about raising our sons and dealing with the issue of pornography. And, and he said, Mike, I've found one of the things that has been helpful for me in talking to my sons about how to resist the temptation of pornography is to teach them how to fast. To, to understand that you deny yourself so that you can be closer to the Lord. And in that comes some self-discipline and and some growth. And so I just thought it was a fascinating um, conversation to have around fasting was understanding that you can deny yourself for the glory of the Lord so that you can come closer to Him. So let me segue there and say you're talking with young guys all the time, our world has become a crazier place. That's uh, we talk about toxic masculinity. There's this lack of understanding about what manhood is, and uh, women are surging ahead of men in so many categories. Give me your your finger on the pulse of young men that you're dealing with and what their needs are. How how you're helping them, or or what. What, what insights can you give us about young men at the university level today? Well, that's a, a tough question. Uh, again, we pray, prayer is, is paramount. Uh, helping them be in the Word and feeding on God's Word. It's not, not doing the don'ts. It's yeah. are you doing the do's. Yeah. Uh, you're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. And so to be able to 
help fill their mind with things that are honorable and true and pure. Philippians 4, right. uh, 7, 8, and 9, just uh, to, to help lay a found, to be accountable uh, with other men. Have other men in your life that you can be honest and open with. I need that. Yeah, I've been I'm, here. I am 68 years old. I meet with a guy every Thursday morning, 730. And I've invited him to ask me the tough questions in my life. What have you looked at? How are you right. treating your How's your walk with the Lord? That we can have that kind of time, honestly, regularly, every week. Uh, don't get isolated. Uh, be in it with a with a team of, of people that uh, you can be, be walking through life with. And so um, it is tough in today's world. What is right is wrong. What is wrong is right today. There's so many ways for a guy to be tripped up in pornography or those kinds of things uh, that uh, the landmines are all around us. And so right. we really have to help them be strong, walk together, be in the word, be prayerful, uh, that kind of thing. And so uh, it's so easy to be tripped up today as a young man or young woman uh, in life. So. You know, so we talk a lot about biblical manhood. I don't know if you're familiar with Men's Fraternity or 33 or some some resources out there that are designed to help guys understand Jesus as a model for manhood. Or have you used any of those? Um, are they familiar to you at all? Uh, I'm aware of Robert Lewis has done yeah. some things, and a guy named David English has yeah. written some stuff on Men's Fraternity as well. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So I was curious, how do you do you find that guys are hungry to understand manhood? Um, are they are they asking questions? Does that come up? Um, and you may be distanced from the from the students to some extent, but uh, I'm just kind of curious about what your what those conversations look like. Yeah, and we're at North Carolina State. It's kind of an in-state school. Uh, a little more good old boy yeah. kind of come here. Uh, Todd Smith, one of my key staff guys is going on a paint gun wars. He does that many weekends, uh, hunting, pioneering, fishing. Uh, we have one guy does a good old boy Bible study. And this is with farm kids, guys that are just salt of the earth kind of, yeah. kind of, men. and like kind of begets like if we're yeah. surrounding ourselves with guys that, that are, you know, men, uh, we kind of, pull in other guys that are attracted to that kind of lifestyle. And so uh, it's, it's, it's really, really a, a difficult time. I think Jesus is the greatest model yep. of man we could ever hope to, to look, look at and, and emulate our lives after. And so that, that's what I, I, I can recommend is, is look to, to Jesus, be a right. student of the gospels, spill out into the old Testament, new Testament, but, who is Jesus Christ? What is he really, really like? Uh, not what we think he's like, but really learn. He's the visible image of the invisible God. There Colossians you go. Says. So yeah. You want to grow as a man, as a person, uh, look to Jesus Christ. Make him your first love, and you'll become, the, you'll become like him over time as you gaze at him and look to him right. as worth following. Yeah. So. So let me, uh, as, as we kind of close, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I, you've been doing this for years. And so what are your greatest joys from investing in young people? What have you seen folks go off and do? What, what keeps your, your crank 
turned in this in this whole adventure? Well, I, I wish I could give you eight thousand success stories, and we do have a lot. Yeah. But uh, again, in Luke chapter ten, Jesus talks after the men came back two by two, seeing Satan fall like lightning and overcome demons and do all this stuff. He gives them a warning. He said. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so don't take joy in ministry happening around you. Take joy in me. Take joy in eternal things. So let me let that be the, the first thing. Uh, the second thing, I'd echo John in first or second and third John. I have no greater joy than seeing children walk in the truth. So mm -hmm. People that like Mark Stevens, who's a pastor now, Mark Valentine's a director up at Appalachian State with crew, Jeff Ray's a director at East Carolina, Todd Smith I work with here at North Carolina State, just to see these guys continue to walk and minister and be pouring into others is, is the greatest thing ever. And not only that, there's hundreds that are leaders in their church or good husbands to their wives or good fathers to their children that uh, because they were involved with us and in a Bible study and got grounded and then graduated and went on. Now, as I've been around them so long, their kids are coming through our ministry. <laughs> so that, that's kind of a new twist. Yeah. And so uh, that, that's just kind of, it's just fun to, Hey, I, I saw your dad come to Christ. He was on a drug high. He saw Jesus in the moon and uh, went to a PCA pastor, got saved. And then I got him involved with crew, got him out of his drug house and got him grounded in the Lord. And your dad, I got some great stories about your dad and the, his daughter <laughs> com coming involved with crew at NC State. It's just kind of fun to see their kids coming along. Second and, uh, generation. That's second awesome. generation. Grandkids, great grandkids. Wow. So, now, I, one of the things that I've asked guys that, that who've been a part of this series is uh, at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul is, is talking to Timothy, and he mentions Demas. Uh, and Demas had been with them on missionary journeys. He'd been right at the heartbeat of what was going on. But it says, um, Demas has deserted me in love with this present world. I, have you had some Demas experiences and and? Talk to guys who might be listening who have been discouraged by a Demas situation in their life where someone they've poured their lives into has uh, has stepped away. And how do, how do you find confidence to keep taking ground for the kingdom even when everything doesn't go the way you'd like for it to? Well, again, we if we lived in an ideal world, we wouldn't have anyone fall away. Right. Our focus is on Christ, as you know, and... Uh, but I have seen over the years that have been those you, you pour into, you love. Uh, they they seem to really be walking with the Lord for a season, and and then they 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 fall away. My own daughter, who I cherish dearly, she's our youngest, uh, has kind of fallen away from the faith the mm. last couple of years. She uh, and uh, but we just think the world of her. There's. Two other guys are in a Bible study I led. Uh, Rhett and Link are fairly famous. They're yeah. on the internet. Uh, they are very successful, very funny, uh, but they've kind of very publicly deconstructed their faith yeah. for the world to hear. And uh, as I listen uh, to their story, it just breaks my heart uh, as they have very good reasons. I mean, if you listen to their, their reasons, 
they're, they're good reasons, but it's like, oh, just, and I still love them as brothers and would welcome them in my home at any point in right. time and do anything for them. Same with my daughter. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, you, you got to keep your eyes on what God is doing. I think there was a contemporary of Billy Graham, Charles Templeton kind of fell away from the faith and he was looked at as even being greater potential right. than Billy Graham, but he, he fell away and we can't focus on those. I don't understand that always right. with my, my passions for that. I think once you make a commitment to Christ, he makes a commitment to you and uh, that it's not going to fall away, but uh, certainly some have, and I, I'm broken hearted when it happens, but, but you got to keep, moving on, looking on, keep the relationships with those people. If you can continue to try to minister to them and love on them. And, and maybe they'll come back around. I always say my daughter's story is not done being written. That's and right. I believe that's true for Rhett and Link as well, that yeah. their story's not over yet. And that there's things God can do in their lives. I pray every day for these people, even though they've kind of walked away uh, still love them. I still want to, God to protect them, provide for them, shepherd them with his hand upon them, show them his glory, show them his love that they may come back someday. Somehow. I, I also pray I'll never fall away. I That's mean, right. none of it are immune. And so I have to walk a little bit afraid and a little bit cautious. I'm not above anything happening. Uh, I've seen great men fall right. away. And I'm not immune, so I've got to always walk humbly. Lord, don't let me fall away. Uh, look ahead to the future. Someday there's going to be a trumpet blast, brother, and we're going to da -da -da, going to be caught up into the air, and uh, that'll be a great day. So. And I would guess that you would say the joy that you've experienced for from investing in those that are running hard with the Lord and investing themselves far outweighs the the struggle that you have with the ones who have who have stepped away and uh so that you're continue to be encouraged to pray for all of them and see the kingdom grow fair statement oh absolutely it's it's definitely a 98 percent going on going on and two percent falling away i'll take the 98 percent is a lot of fun to yeah. see god work and god's faithful and continues to to, to walk on so Hey, I, I just occurs to me one other thing because I your your Zoom profile comes up here is uh, Sharon Mahaffey. Your wife's name is is up there, and you mentioned that earlier. Hey, tell me about your marriage in the midst of this, and how uh, God continues to strengthen you, draw you and your wife closer together through ministry. Because there may be some guy listening to this who who needs to be encouraged. Uh, to to walk faithfully and keep going, or a wife listening to this. Uh, this is a team sport, I would guess, for you and your bride. Oh, yes. And the reason Sharon's name is on here, I am I can barely Velcro my shoes together. I'm not very technically minded, so I don't know how to get her name off and get mine on there. But uh, we, yeah, we've been married a long time. Our first year was crazy. Uh, in the old days when we joined staff, both of you had to be called to the ministry side by side. It couldn't just be one of us. And uh, so we've served together. Honestly, the last this past year, we've started working with faculty and she's doing some wonderful things with faculty women. And uh, she loves those gals and they love her. And yeah. it's really exciting to see she's busier now than she's ever been. 
and uh but uh yeah we're in it together we've got to be sensitive i've i've had some problems with being a workaholic and being too busy and neglecting my wife and family and i had to, the lord showed me through a, a series of circumstance and counseling that i need to be responsible for my kids i need to be loving my wife and my wife needs to join me uh, yeah. in the ministry she needs to be a part of things and be be right working side by side in things so uh, we've had some hard times in our marriage, I won't lie, but uh, we've continued to work, continued to pray. We've gotten counseling when we've needed it. Uh, she's my best friend, and uh, we rejoice in what God's doing together. Uh, we're in this thing as a team, and uh, it, it's there's been some tough things over the years, but uh God has walked us through it. We're, we're continuing to see God use us, and we're grateful for that. And we just share what what God's doing, and we rejoice in that. When we first got to NC State, there were 30 kids involved. Yeah. I've often said you could hit them all by swinging a dead cat yep. around. And uh, we were in a meeting two years ago. We had 220, just, just our Bible study leaders in that room. And we just began to weep because we remember when we started, there was just a handful and now just the leaders alone with crew at nc state and meredith college there were 220 packed in that room for a leaders retreat we were doing and we just couldn't believe what god has done we've just been blown away and we're in it together we're, we're just hand in hand she's great at some things like the computer like her name's on yeah. here sharing and i'm great at other things and we we you know depend on those differences that we work together real well yeah um, so. well that's i i just appreciate you you speaking to that and the partnership you know um folks uh, mike just mentioned the growth of crew at nc state there's actually a video from a couple of years ago that we're going to put in our show notes so you can watch mike talk about the growth of crew at nc state in the various places they've met as the uh as the movement grew there on campus and it's clear he says in that video he said in other times and places that this is god's work it's not mike mahaffey it's it's not his uh his colleagues there but it's the lord who's grown this ministry and so uh i'm just thankful for that I would also say I, I watched a little bit, I think it was the last large group session, and there was a Dr. Bullard who is a faculty member in the College of, or the University, I guess is the College of Chemical Engineering, uh, sharing yes. a testimony. So you guys are seeing Christian faculty, not, not just uh, you know check a box somewhere, but they're willing to share their faith in front of students, and that's huge. So yeah. thanks for we the work you're doing there. We have an ad coming out featuring 140 Christian faculty that have signed their names as followers of Jesus Christ. And that's tough in a yeah, university buddy. setting. So uh, we're very grateful for that. And Dr. Lisa Bullard's a good friend. Her daughter uh, was involved with crew uh, as well. And uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful professor. So. Wow. In fact, they like to call themselves professors of Christ. So. <laughs> I like it. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time with us. Uh, this has been fun. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, I'm going to get down there and, and visit with you sometime because I'd like to meet you in person and just uh, just be able to, to talk with you. But thanks for your passion for investing in young folks and, and now staff members. And uh, we're just going to pray God's speed for you and your work. So thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Been a real blessing being with you. 
God bless you, sir. All right. Well, men, this is the uh, end of episode number 32 of the Nobleman Podcast. Uh, tune in next week for the Nobleman Podcast, episode 33. We're going to start a series uh, called The Nobleman Leads Well. We've got Carlos Santiago with Family Life, who's going to talk with us about the nobleman leading himself. If you're going to lead your family, lead your marriage, lead in the church, you have to start by leading yourself well. So we're going to talk about that next week. God bless you, man. Take care.